Welcome back to the Show and Shugs podcast, brought to you by OBRC. We're back for episode nine. Here's my co-host, Harry Bauer. How you doing, Harry? Hi, Tom. Yeah, good to be back after a little week off. Yeah, we had a little break. I think it was needed. Um, I obviously had a cheeky little interview, and uh, I think everyone was we were a bit busy and whatnot. And another opportunity to recharge our batteries, because obviously we work so hard on this podcast, Harry giving the people what they want. Always, mate. We are the bastions of the rugby world. Just delivering the goods on a weekly basis to the uh, the Brooks masses. <laughs> now, we've got a lot of stuff to catch up on, which is good and bad. Some really interesting stuff pop up, popping up in the news. Oh, and, mate, uh, this is the thing as well, isn't it? Like, we've got... Oh, just the last week, we've got a ton of news, let alone everything that happened the week we were gone. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think 80% of it happened in the, the week that we were gone, so I think we've nicely timed it. Nice little break for the Six Nations. You know, the Six Nations, obviously, we'll, talk, we'll touch on the results and all the prem results after we've gone through all the news, but nice little break there, and obviously it being back this weekend will be interesting. But let's dive into it. Um, I think we should let's start. Let's start with this first point. Okay, so this arose on BT Sport, and it was a conversation that I think Hugo Monier was really pushing. And it's this whole idea of a halftime show. Now, actually, got I'll hear what do you have to say about that, and then I'll give my little way in. But well, I, I have an opinion on it, but. Mate, I mean, I think this could be a case we both agree, it, or I'll be very surprised if we don't. I'm completely against it. I, I think the thing is, rugby has an audience, and we want to grow the audience, but I'm not sure how throwing a ton of cash at halftime entertainment in what are ultimately small stadiums can do. Like the reason it works for the Super Bowl is, it's a big, like big international audience. Um, with a big stadium attendance. That said, the stadium attendance was only, what, 70,000 for the Super Bowl? It's less than half the international games get. Um, I don't see how it works financially, and I don't really see it growing the game. Yeah. No, no. right. Are you prepared for this? Because I could go over about... <laughs> Hold tight. Strap in. So, yeah, so my, my view on this is I completely agree with you. We've agreed, Harry. How about that? Um, <laughs> I didn't see it coming. No, I completely agree with you. I think, I think there's this really misguided um, attraction to be this sort of spectacle, and that throwing money and being some sort of spectacle will help, you know, grow the game, launch it to new audiences, and all this. And, this, and I only say that for a few points. So first of all, every single year when the Super Bowl pops up. You always get that typical graphic of where they compare the World Cup, football World Cup audience to the NFL, where one's in the millions and one's clearly in the billions. Now, first of all, I think that's a fairer thing to compare them to before we even get to rugby is the fact there's, you know, football is a global sport where, you know, obviously money allegedly goes here, there and everywhere. Uh, uh, wink, wink. Um, but then you obviously have, you know, money every single near near enough every single place. You've got federations and well equivalent unions working in a whole different way. If you actually implemented that from a football point of view in rugby as we have it, I, I'm sure you'd see 
you know, you'd see it rise, no doubt, you know, it'd rise up completely. So, yeah, completely with you. The whole halftime show spectacle thing, I don't think it would... I mean, I wouldn't be against it maybe in a Prem final, and that's as far as you'd get me going to any to agreeing to anything on that. Um, but, yeah, I think it is completely the wrong idea in a new sort of media time. I see why Ugo is going for it. I can see why some people like might like the attraction to it because it's it's the easy go-to. But um, yeah, I I don't see any huge benefits from it. I mean, what are they talking like every week? What we're gonna we're gonna see a at the Tony Woods Welford Road, you're gonna see a nice little halftime fireworks show. I, I can imagine you quite enjoying that with pint in hand, Barry, you know. But um <laughs> I, I can't well, see it. Point, really you good. might you might get like the Wurzels doing something down in um like Bath or Gloucester. Absolutely. Probably... That's what the Swift half's for though, mate, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I wouldn't know. I've never ventured down to those um, those green green fields. You must come. Um, but I mean, the thing is, I think rugby it's so saturated on the offering. Like in the NFL, there's what 270 games across. Essentially, what was it four or five months? Because um, they do the, what the Sundays yeah, and about... Monday night football. Yeah. Um, whereas rugby is, we'll call it 150, just in the prem. Then you add on all your Champions Cup games. You've got the um, URC. You've got the Pro 14, um, the Top 14. You've got the Rugby Championship. There's so much saturation in the rugby market on what's televised. I don't see it working like it does in the NFL. I completely agree. It's I, I, a good mentor of mine once said, more substance, less spectacle. And I think that's what we need, more substance, more scrutinising, more investment, like actually like being careful about what's being invested into protecting the product and actually working on clear areas that are clear keys to making all these issues that this alternative topic thrown at, they think it will cure it. Oh, yeah, well, actually, I mean, due to the other stuff, it works. It's a bottom down, from the bottom up thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. The reason there isn't the following in rugby is it's not played as much um, as in America when you're a kid you play American football you play baseball you play basketball you play ice hockey etc and that becomes your niche yeah. um, and in British schools you play football and that's your niche that's why both have massive market holds um, going further afield rugby is it's the second sport in the winter, and it's why cricket does so well in the UK because it's a non-contested sport. It gets an easy fan audience. Rugby's always going to go up against football. And um, you can see it. You see it in the MLS. That's taken years, like quite literally years, to take off from its humble beginnings. You know, like the early two thousands, you know, the Beckham spectacle and all that kind of stuff, and all the others that followed. You know, that's getting somewhere now, like some actual credible somewhere. But it's, you know. It's never going to be the focus because, you know, the MLR is doing well. Um, it's actually probably showing a bit, bit more promise and progress because of pro mistakes they've learned through the MLS. But yeah, it's this whole halftime show thing. I just, it's just, I, I heard it and I was thinking, I was screaming at the TV in a way. I was thinking, Ugo, look at the bigger picture, man. <laughs> look yeah, at the bigger it's picture. A, it's a massive waste of money um, before it even gets off the ground. But 
I mean, I don't know, to be honest, because the only way you get good American football coverage in the UK is they cut between tons of games, so you don't have to watch all the ad breaks and all the stoppage. But do they do halftime shows in a regular league game? Because that's essentially what they're proposing we do with rugby. Yeah, see, that's... As a, yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, like, I completely agree with you on that. that that's, that's a very valid point in the sense that, what, you're going to have these every single week? I mean, I don't think, first of all, I don't think clubs can afford that, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. But no, go, I, oh, rugby's got a money issue. Let's create a bigger money issue. Yeah, let's create a vacuum that's going to make it even worse. I, I think the furthest you could go, and we saw it with the whole, um, you know, the big game, you know, Harlequin's big game, you know, won't go deeply into why that wasn't wholly, in my opinion, a fully great thing. I mean, it was great, but it wasn't for very obvious reasons. I know we've discussed in private, but, you know, the Pete Tong thing, they made a little bit of a song and dance fit. If that was done properly, and I think everyone enjoyed it, if that was done properly at a Prem final, where it's a one-off event, that's as far as you'll get me agreeing with this. Halftime show during the regular season, that's just a farce. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, in the, the biggest solution all of it, what we have to remember is, and this will sound really geeky, in um, the NFL, they put on the synthetic pitches, so it's really easy for them to put a stage on it. Rugby pitch, imagine you bring this stage out and afterwards you basically ploughed the entire field. Yeah, could you imagine? Could you imagine the grounds of God, your hallowed turf? Could you imagine? <laughs> no, that's even reason don't get do it, some, do it, don't do it domestically. Get some on the field, mate. Or I mean, get, get some cabbages back. I mean, well, that fully puts the nail in the coffin on the... Uh, the whole thing about domestic stuff. But yeah, could you imagine people, you know, they, all these fans have just been enjoying the Prem final first half. Cracking match. Let's let's not, I'm not going to blow your head up even more. It's, Leicester Tigers having a good first half. You know, they're a few, few points ahead. I'll give you that. Um, and then, you know, the whole halftime show happens. They all, they, it's all over. They put it away. And it's just, it's just this, this carpet has just been utterly destroyed and ruined to all a point of no return. After an hour sitting in the changing rooms as well. Just thinking, what has gone on here? Like, <laughs> it's like, what, what's, why have you done this to us? No, so, yeah. in all seriousness, feel free to try it, but try, go and try it at some shit club that doesn't get fans out. You know, go try it at the wasps of the world. <laughs> at, the comment, at the commentary, is it? At the club ground, the At Leicester, we fill our stadium every week. Why, why are we going to spend all this money? Yeah, I. But anyway, I think I think we can fully agree that this is a definite nay, not a yay. Anyways, moving on to Dean Richards. What do you think of this? What do you think of this, Harry? This now this is something that I, I we we just had a little chat off, off camera. I I mean they even made a point of it on BT Sport where they had um, the cult figure that is Steve Diamond who came on and obviously had a bit of a chat with them, and they pointed out that you know he's not short of. Um, you know, not, not, not bringing disrepute, because I think that's probably the angle that most would take, but it's it's good to have people who, you know, are on the edge, but not too far. But they have, you know, they have something to say. They have a bit of substance to them. But I think you didn't like what Dean Richards had to say. I mean, Leicester legend, um, player and coach. But let's be realistic. The man's shadowed in controversy. Mr. Bloodgate himself. Yeah. He just needs to know when to keep his mouth shut and just take the loss. Um, like, I mean, I, I do feel gutted for them because they played incredibly well. Exeter were awful. They Exeter had, what, 60-odd minutes of an extra man and 
took no use of it. Exeter were awful, but I don't think you can go around throwing the accusations out like Dean Richards did because they lost by a point. Yeah, I think I think I think to get to get to the meat and bones of it, it it's over the fact that he's used the term favoritism, that there was clear favoritism to the Chiefs and not to Newcastle. That's obviously popped up, um, and also the red card incident, which I hadn't seen live. Um, I'd seen just before his comments were made oh, before the interview. Card, yeah. I, I honestly, I honestly would agree with that. You know, I think. And what we have to remember is, they were lucky to escape a second. I didn't, I didn't see that, Harry. There was a lighten us. Uh, there was another head contact, and yeah, um, one day it's a penalty. But because we've seen, uh, well, on the day it was a penalty. But I think the biggest issue we've seen this season, there has been a genuine inconsistency in the giving of. Um, red cards for high tackles. We saw it um, in the Wales-Scotland game. It should have been a red card there. Um, and it was given as a penalty. The referees, and I don't know what's gone on to do this, the referees are very inconsistent in the red cards they're giving. So, in Dean Richards is lucky he's not looking at, well, three sighting hearings this week because um, that red card's definitely going there. He's going to be pulled up for something and there should be another player in the dock as well for another red. But that got missed. I don't think it's been cited. Yeah, I think it all ties in together with the whole um, head contact, you know, this whole, does does it ride up? Is it, is it, um, is it wrapped? And all this I saw an interest, you know, while we're on this topic, I don't want to don't pull off on a little bit too much of a tangent, but I saw a tweet that went out earlier and it's a really quite well-known analyst and he's looked at Luke, Luke Cowan-Dickey, his tackle technique that I think you're probably familiar with that really low leading with the shoulder, not quite wrapped yet chop, which, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not illegal. It's not, there's nothing in the rules saying he can't technically do what he's doing apart from, you know, the, maybe the, the shoulder before the wraps there. That's probably the only gray area, but are we at a point where we're, you know, we're almost losing ourselves in what's clearly in front of us, disciplinary-wise. Yeah, but, I mean, I think the easiest solution here is just get lower in the tackle. Like, these are professional sportsmen, and they shouldn't be even leaving a position of doubt for if it's a red, if it's a penalty, etc. Just don't get your shoulder there. Get your shoulder, like, down mid-torso. Let's give them a big hit to the chest. Or get low on the legs. Why put yourself at risk getting a red card? Um, I mean, I'm fat as anything, unfit, six foot five. I don't make high hits, and I make plenty of tackles a game. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think you'll always get you'll always get the argument coming back saying it happened so quickly, so we can't. But in really realistically, you can you can adjust yourself. Make that I have a lot of sympathy when it's falling into the tackle and things like that, and that should yeah. be looked at differently. Yeah. But in these one-on-one head, like head-to-head collisions where both men are standing up, there is no excuse for it. Yeah, I. To be honest with you, I think he got that wrong. I think he got that wrong. I think it was quite clearly. I think. I think the stop image, when the hit, the main meaningful contact happened. 
it was quite clear a massive shoulder to the head um, endangering the player. So yeah, it was 100% a red. And I think that was to do with it all. I think, I mean, he won't want to use it as an excuse, but I think it was quite emotive as well, because it obviously must be mentioned, you know, Blackie obviously departing, um, the influence he had on the game and stuff, the Newcastle legend, maybe emotions were running high on the day anyway. And I know that BT made made a point of saying that. I agree. Um, I mean, it does wrap in nicely. I don't know if you saw in the Times yesterday, um, Barry O'Driscoll, the former Irish international, like related to, or like cousin and brother both played for Ireland. He played for Ireland and he's like the second cousin to Brian O'Driscoll, but he's also a doctor and been on the um, World Rugby Advisory Board. He was saying about, the big game of Russian roulette that World Rugby is currently playing with head injuries and how we need to get this sorted. Um, because like we've seen in American football, we're on a collision course for litigation here. All these players having all these head injuries. Something needs to be done. And I think it, it really is, let's get the tackle height down. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're obviously seeing... Obviously, the injuries that came in, you know, I think I think you're probably you're talking, but I won't get too deep into it. I think you talk about the CTE stuff, you know, the chronic traumatic, yeah, enthro enthropathy. I think that's how you say it. But it was the there we go, Harry. Yeah, that's why that's why we got you on board. You're the brains. Um, but yeah, exactly. I I did see that article, and I I completely agreed with the. The full tone of it in a way i think we are because you saw this you know you saw in rome with jack Noel and other many different examples that are out there that i think you've just got to be really careful um you got to be tell really you what careful. was it i blame it on the 4g i think i well i played the other week and um on a 4g i think we had something like five concussions on it um yeah yeah, Which I'm sure it's going to go down well with some of our viewers. I, I, I'm genuinely on, on a genuine note here. I, I think 4G is responsible for an increased number of injuries. They've um, been doing some research and saying that like serious knee injuries are massively increased on 4G. Um, I think head injuries too, because there is no giving the ground. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind it to be honest with you, but that's because I probably, you know, not hugely. No, I haven't been impacted by an injury like that due to, due to that type of surface. But, you know, you can say, you know, you start to get, and get stuck in the ground. You could, you know, off a tackle, you could hit your head on, on it. Um, you know, obviously it's quite clear that everyone is, you know, sticking that sticky stuff to their knees now whenever they go to you know, the Gloucesters, the Newcastles, etc. I, I think I can Saracens. speak for every second row in the country here. Which is, if you do not put Vaseline or something on your knees, you are getting a horrid set of burns. Like, I came off the pitch um, the other week and literally just needed two new kneecaps because the amount of um, time spent in the scrum, just um, getting cut up by the LBBs. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's becoming even more, you know, it's quite apparent that, it's doing some serious damage. I mean, you've seen the centres, you know, semi Rodrada, he was wearing tape, uh, the wingers were, there's increase in people wearing um, 
you know, like lycrotype things, you know, skin stuff. Yeah, it's not, it's a bigger topic for a different day that I think we should probably get someone on to talk about it deeper, but I I don't mind it. You you, you hate it. Should, should we leave it there for now? Ban it. That is my <laughs> message. And, and I think it will get banned, I, but I don't think it's going to be rugby ban it. It's going to be the government ban artificial yeah, products. Yeah, I, anyway. I, I, I think it'll be something quite substantial. We'll have to intervene for it to be um, made. And there might be some compo in there too, because of obviously clubs that have adapted to... Well, the, the thing is, clubs are going to get to 10 years' time. They're going to have to replace the, um, the shock pad and they're going to very quickly realise they no longer want it because they won't have saved the money to replace it. Yeah, it's a big money thing. But we'll obviously see what comes of it when that that time comes and we'll see who it is. But I think the viewers know how much you dislike it now, Harry. Just a tad. Just <laughs> think, a tad. I think they're fully versed in your opinion. And I think I'll firmly have those splinters and see how it pans out. But that said, let's move on because there is a, there's a big piece of... Well, it's not necessarily news because it's only chat at the moment. But you're old, you're, you're old man there, Tuolangi. A lot of calls, including the man Ugo himself, that you should get involved in this England team on the weekend against Wales. I mean, I get it. But we're also now getting to 18 months out from the World Cup. So I don't want him to rush back to save the day against, um, against Wales. Not that I think the day needs saving. I, I, in many ways, I think it. What's the point in um, bringing Talangi out against a tier two nation? Like we, we didn't need him to see off Italy the other week. I don't see why we need him to see off, see off Wales either. No, no, Harry. Let's not let's not get those tier two little jibes out there. We're we're, we're very firmly still tier one, and and you'll know about that on Saturday. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I'm quickly making enemies with every member of the rugby community here. Oh, just 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 don't go onto any of the Facebook groups and put a, put a, a fish. Don't go on a fishing expedition. Let's put it that way, because I think you'll uh, I think you'll catch some big ones. <laughs> I think you'll catch some piranhas. But yeah, look, I don't know. When I when I saw this in the news, I thought you know they're they're focusing on you know talking about the whole power thing. You know that he is one of the biggest. And that's true. But as you said, the whole World Cup thing. I think it's kind of you're seeing that creep in with Youngs. Is he class? Absolutely. Should he still be involved in these squads? Absolutely. You know, seeing Randall in Rome did a fantastic job for England. You know, these characters should be there and thereabouts. But I think the debate really needs to sit of, you know, how much worth long term are they doing? Are they obstructing anybody that could be there? Um, and, you know, how does the general outlook look by those individuals being involved? Well, I think the thing is, Wiz, on this, you pick the best team you've got available on the day, the best 23 you can. And as we always say, the best 23 is not always necessarily the best 23 players. It's the 23 players that work best together. Um, and you've, we've seen Youngs playing it less this year. He's looked class. It's just this game style that Eddie Jones is obsessed with playing. They kick high and often or kick far and often which he's done with every single side he's ever coached. He likes doing this style and he's just getting Ben Young to implement this. And 
Harry Randall, you could see, was doing it to an extent. Yeah, and I mean, you look at if you look at the team that went, you know, out in Rome. You've got Henry Slade at twelve, Joe Marchant at thirteen, and then you look at obviously the back line: Jack Now, Freddie Stewart, fullback, and Max Mayers all on the wings. And you've also got Elliot Daly on the bench, George Ford on the bench, etc. I mean, how is this going to work in your in your eyes? Do do you see do you see him just slotting in, or do you see him you know starting on the bench or what, what, what area you're at with it all? Um, I think if you're taking him, you can't really start him because he's not he's not had many minutes since he played South Africa. That's exactly my thoughts. I mean, you hear about you're hearing, you know, it's almost like the prodigal son has returned. He's going to save us all, and that's how it's being played out of the media. And I, I, I mean, if I was if I was a Manny Tuilang, I think, you know, yeah, that's probably going to give me a bit of an edge, give me a boost, but. It's, really unhelpful amount of pressure when you know stuff like that just doesn't potentially come to fruition if you know what I mean but um yeah it's it's a curious one but I mean it, no doubt he'd be a, a bit of a force of nature for our for our back line but yeah yet again we'll have to see what um Mr Jones has got planned because he seems to be yeah he seems to be having a bit of a nightmare here here left you know, left, right, and centre. I mean, that comes with the news that he's obviously omitted some players from his 35-man squad that we we're going to touch on in a sec. I mean, Ollie Haskell Collins has been told to go home. Mark Atkinson, Luke Northmore, Tom Pearson, all gone from that squad. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting how the how the Tuolangi effect happens, where whatever way that may be. But yeah, I'm sure you'll be glad to see him run out again, won't you, Harry? Always, mate. I'd prefer to say in a Leicester shirt, um, <laughs> but we can't have that anymore, so I'll take the England one. Better than the Chris Ashton, right? In, in all of his, what, 40 seconds in two games appearance, yeah? Is that... Oh, well, 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 he made, he made well, a tackle last week. Head injury replacement for what? A couple minutes? couple couple seconds? <laughs> and, then, and then, obviously, beforehand. Um, but no... It'll be good. It'll be good for rugby, to be honest, to see him back. You know, he's had a hell of a time with injury, and you know, he probably deserves it with the hard work and stuff. And to be honest, he'll make it a better game, in my opinion. I think he'll make it more competitive. And I guess Wales have just got to get their get their boys back, fit and healthy, and we can have a a game probably next time around. Probably not this time through injury, but we'll have you soon, Harry. We'll have you soon. Always, mate. Always. Uh, moving on. Now, this this popped up in the news. Kenya. Zimbabwe and Georgia are going to take part in South Africa's domestic so Curry Cup tournament this April. Uh, the view is to offering an opportunity for more regular competition ahead of next year's World Cup. What do you think of this? I thought it was quite curious. It's definitely different. Yeah, countries with, well, clubs, if you will, provinces. But I think, weirdly, because these national sides play together so little... You could see them getting absolutely pumped by the domestic sides in South Africa who are actually playing together. Like we've seen when you have exhibition games between like premiership clubs and well, like big top tier clubs and international sides, they often push the limit and even more so get the result. And that's against top tier international sides. We see it like when the Lions form together. The Lions often look more tripped up or tripped up by um, domestic sides than they do international sides. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's an interesting move, but there's clearly a, I don't know, I think there's a well-intentioned, you know, motivation behind it. But yeah, I think it's just one of those odd ones that's, you know, it can only, I suppose, game time's game time. And you'd like to think that something positive comes out of it. But nevertheless, it's got the world, it's got tongues moving, tongues wagging, and it's got eyeballs on the screen seeing like, oh, how's this going to go? And it's probably going to be an interesting little concept, but yeah, see how it goes. I think they're slotting into one of the groups that uh, how, how the Curry Cup works these days. So yeah, if it gets them a little bit more up for it ahead of the World Cup, then I say all for it. Let's, let, let, let the boys play. Always, mate. Let the boys play some UA. Absolutely. Now, moving on to the South Africa and the Six Nations point. I think this is something that has interested both of us, despite our interest, it's obviously been played out in the media quite a lot. Let's hear you first again this time, Val. What do you think of this? Curious. Mate, I, I welcome it. So I think, so, oh, there's going to be South Africans here are either gunning for my head or cheering on what I'm saying. But, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. South Africa's domestic sides are playing in the URC. Um, the, like, the good South African players, the top tier South African players playing in Europe, either in France or um, at English clubs. Time zone wise, what was it? South Africa's an hour ahead of France and Italy and two hours ahead of Britain and Ireland. And like logistically, it can work a lot better than having a couple of games in South Africa, like triple headler in South Africa between three teams. Um, and then playing the other games in the UK. And then it aligns their international players with the competitions they're playing in. And I think, yeah, better money out of it as well. So for South Africa, I see it as a really good thing. I'd also welcome a little trip to South Africa to watch from rugby at the same time. And the big argument against it is people like the fact that it's so easy to get tickets to go and watch their team dick Italy. And the reality is people don't want to keep Italy in because they want to develop them. They want to keep them in because it's a good away day and they always know that they'll see the team they want to win, get the result. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a whole lot of different views on this um, from all over the shop. I think you're getting the voices, you know, you're getting the Italy bubble, so to speak, you know, that what, you know, that'd be pretty harsh, blah, 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 you know, they're not performing. Similar year-on-end topic that they should get removed because of performance and all this kind of stuff. Um, you got people saying, you know, make it the seven nations. Um, it's, there, there's so much chat out there. I can, and you obviously got the statement, the official statement that came out. As that, they say, Wizzy, never believe, in politics, never believe anything until it's been officially denied. And in that scenario, you know it's been happening. The fact that it took them a day to put that statement out means they had to terminate all the conversations just to be able to say there were no conversations going on. It's definitely <laughs> been happening. Of course it's been happening. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> is, that, is that from first-hand experience, Harry? <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just I, can see those, I can see those light bulbs above your head. Oh, wait, no, sorry, I can't because they're not, still not there. <laughs> no, no, it, it, those conversations have 100% been happening. And anybody trying to say that those conversations haven't been happening takes the rugby public for fools. And if you're one that believes it, you are the fool. Yeah, I, I don't know. I personally, I see the benefits. I see 
what it will do and everything. But I think the fallout is just potentially just catastrophic because, you know, I mean, I saw quite, I mean, not, not to merge two very different topics, but there was a very, there's a big sort of big rugby commentator on social media that came out and said, do you remember that, that child that got absolutely howled on social media unnecessarily and everyone in the rugby world surrounded him and said, you know, rugby's for everyone and this, 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 that and the other. This rugby commentator said, you know, Italy, Italy's that kid. You've got to not be like that to them kind of thing. And I, I kind of get that view because look, if, if they were to somehow make it, you know, the set, I mean, would you be up for a seven nations where they have? No, I, where, I think it's, no, I think it's a bad idea. The international breaks are already too long. Um, it puts a lot of stress on clubs having to fill their roster whilst the players are away. And if you add in another team, your game weeks get misaligned. It suddenly goes from being what's already a seven-week tournament to a nine-week tournament. You add in the two weeks they're away beforehand, you've suddenly got your players away for like 11 weeks. So your take on it is to... Mate, if Salah aren't joining, Italy are going. Like, take it back to Five Nations. Like, they've lost 35 games on the bounce. And, yeah, it's one thing to compare Italy to the child the child the other week. This is a professional like sport. There's no point keeping them in if they're not going to offer anything. Tell us how you really feel, Harry. <laughs> yeah, tell, this is no hot spot this week. I am gu- gunning for every bad decision. So you, you would move, you would... By 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 that reason, you would remove Italy from the Six Nations and you put them down to the Rugby Europe. So I've said we need Europe to put Italy on notice. If they get to fifty losses in a row, they're gone. I'm giving them three years to fix this. I mean, we have got time. Was it 2025? That, that's the state of date that they they want to enforce this, which be put out there. Yeah. So there it, is time. It coincides perfectly. Co- it coincides perfectly with your timeline. We'll have to see. I mean, um, if they go 50 games on the bounce losing, that's 10 years without a win. I think it's, by that point, quite fair. And people are, oh, that's never happening. Their last win was in 2015. They're close to 10 years already. Yeah, I mean, you will get you will get that through. I mean, performance is performance. Um, you don't want to lose your way and bring in something heavy hitting. I mean, there was a funny... There was a funny um, meme that was put out this week about the fact of uh you know all the all, all the all the home nations preparing for an absolute <laughs> an absolute demolished job against against the south africans where they just come to town just blow everyone away and then go back go back home laughing with a beer in hand i mean but, it, it won't be going back home it'll be going back to sale and leicester for them <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean They've obviously had a bit of a dip, but they are the world champions. And you could, you, you, you know, kind of a be careful what you wish for. They could, they could turn up, restore all their, all the how they are in what they are at their top peak optimum level, and they could win it. They could win it hands down their first year. Who's saying they couldn't? Like that would be quite, that'd be that quite a bad thing. We need to raise <laughs> the northern. That's if that's if the game raises with them. World Cup winner, and it's because we're not playing top quality. On- um, opposition enough to de- like develop ourselves. Yeah, that's valid. You'd have to hope though that the quality, if, if that were to happen, and um, what you've just said, you'd have to hope that the quality will, as a result, just increase across the board. Um, which you know, I, I I could see an Ireland or a France at the moment. Pr- 
probably just about in England. But I think, you know, not quite sure, even though they're good and they've got injuries, they're either underperforming, this and that, but I'm not sure how Wales or Scotland could see that and go, right, let's get on that table too. But I think it'd be interesting. We'll have to see. It's, it's obviously not something that's happening tomorrow. So that's a positive, I suppose. You know, it'd be fully ratified. And as you say, your little quota, Harry, if they, if they, they've got time to turn it around, if they do, um, and I guess to an extent, if they're given given a, a fair enough chance to go, do you know what, guys? Right, we've marked your card now. It isn't just a, a chat thing that's going to just go around. We've marked your card. Here's a set period of time. You need to perform within this period of time, or unfortunately, I think we're going to have other ideas. And I think that's a little bit better than going right. You're just you, you you're gone. You, you, this whatever see ya I think that's a bit of a better approach to it but I think yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get opinions on both sides I think at the moment but you're gonna get fallout either way yeah I agree I think that. people are under some illusion that Italy haven't been bad for as long as they have been yeah I, I, I yeah I can level with that point I think people just have carried you know carried on and not realise that there is actually a serious real problem there. Um, you know, I often think about this with the Welsh game in, in a sense at times. It's not hugely a good comparison, but, you know, you've got sort of the franchise element to things where you've got, you know, they've obviously got their two teams. I Their, their domestic game, I think, I mean, it, it's either just not published or put out there or anything like that, but it is, you know, it's, it's, it's almost non-existent to the world. Um, that probably plays even more into what's probably happening because they're either playing elsewhere or they're not playing elsewhere or they're just not, you know, being able to perform at a high level and then turn that into an international setup. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one, but, you know, I think there's positives and negatives, but as long as it's all done respectfully, I think, that, I think that's the bare bones for me. I think as long as it's done in the right way with quite clear evidence with an opportunity to turn things around. I think you can't really argue with it. I think it gets to a point where, yeah, you know, it's time for a potentially a change, but yeah, as long as it's done the right way, I'm sweet with it. And I'm sure you're, you're similar. Harry, are you not? I'm me. Or you just like get, get lost. Just go, no, no, just, just leave. You have, be, you have to be fair. They're, they're a stakeholder in the six nations. Yeah. Um, whether it was a bad decision to make the mistake holder in the Six Nations when it all happened back in 2000, that's another question. Just because it leaves us in the scenario where why would Italy vote to kick themselves out of the what biggest revenue-providing international competition aside from the World Cup that there is? Yeah, yeah. Let's We're just saying... hope they start using the money that they get from it better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, there's something that's coming in the women's game very soon. It's being going to be activated in the next couple of years um, with the W15. But we'll we cover that on another show and expand this topic. I think this is probably a topic we're going to be speak going to speak about in the next few weeks because it's just one of those what, that's going to go. Watch it happen now. This weekend, Italy are going to win in the Six Nations, and I'm going to have to eat my words. I mean, not just, just not just for your sake, but I'd quite like to see that because I mean, they they weren't bad against England. We'll, we'll touch on that in a sec we get to the roll. Yeah, they, they weren't bad. Really, not bad. They lost 33 nil. Yeah, but still, I think we could both agree that could have been a lot more. I think it could have been a lot more. I think that was potentially... I think they, I think England left a few points out on the pitch there. I think... Yeah, I mean, it should have... England should have put 50 on them. They did, but I think that plays into Italy's 
But anyway, we'll get on to that in a minute, Harry. We've got, we've got a few more points, and then we'll, we'll get we'll get we'll get stuck into that. It's a long day in the newsroom, by the way. It is a long day in the newsroom. I mean, we've got we've got we've got one more point, and then we've got an update from your good self about we've we've had to move it into the news because we can't really create a segment because <laughs> we hope that this is going to be the end of the end. But anyway, so we go to the final one. What did you make of this, Harry? So it's about Curtly Bill. He is going to leave Racing and return back to the Waratahs to be up with Jamie Roberts in 2023 to head off to the World Cup next year. And it seems he's going to be taking a 500k hit <laughs> from a contract he could have had. Thoughts on this? I think it's Rugby's <laughs> worst kept secret, or yeah, just genuinely worst kept secret. We, I assumed it had been confirmed by now because yeah, we knew out. that it was happening. As in, I assumed it had been confirmed ages ago. Like, not that this has only just been actually confirmed. Apparently not. You know, I mean, it's 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 been, you know, it's, speculated. Been, it's been yeah, it's been well, it's been speculated for a bit, but it's been said in various news outlets that it is being you know the worst kept secret about um, that. Yeah, is he? Is he not? I think everyone else knew the answer to it, but it just needs to be confirmed. But I think most people won't understand the fact that, you know, it's it's quite a good finisher thing because I think they kept trying to get a few back in bold. He still can do it. I think you've got, you got nothing to lose, but I think most people will look at those uh, money signs in what he has walked away from, you know, even labelling, you know, an outlet in Australia, labelling it as a sacrifice. I mean, to be fair, you wouldn't I don't think you would depart with 500 big ones, would you, Harry, if you absolutely didn't need to? Yeah, I mean, this is... I think one of the most interpretive areas of the professional game, people go, oh, why are, why do players do things for money? Their careers are so short um, that people go 500K, oh, yeah, 500K, 500K, why are they moving for this? Like your career is not, not that 500K is like a small amount of money at all, um, but your career is so short, you've got to take every opportunity to make money where you can because it could all come to a crying end tomorrow. So it really shows his desire to get back into that Wallaby team that he's willing to throw away, essentially, his pension fund. Yeah, I think the motivations are good. I think, you know, you know he's going to contest, as it's, as it's been stated in the article, a record equaling fourth Rugby World Cup. You know, that's a personal accolade. Um, yes, he is cutting his career short a little bit in Europe and that money's going to, that money opportunity is going to go, but I think he, he sees the bigger picture here. He's had a good career. I think he, you know, getting this record equaling appearance at the World Cup, hopefully them getting somewhere in it. Um, yeah, I think you can't argue, you know, he's, he, he, the reasons are right, so good luck to him as far as I'm concerned. I think uh correct decision for me. Go well, Curtly Bill. Go well, Curtly Bill. Right, should we go from one wallaby to another? <laughs> yeah, we shall, mate. Oh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice join. Nice. And that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mate, it, it's been our heartfelt Joe and Jug's weekly story, hasn't it? We have, mate, the moment you brought this up, I was thinking... Harry's Harry. The first time you brought this up, I thought Harry's either had a tough day, he's had a tough week, or he's just completely lost it. And that's not because Leicester Tigers lost. Uh, and I'm thinking, where is he going with this? So 
first of all, let's just have a little bit of a recap, Harry. So, first of all, who went missing first? Right. So, Ant, a wallaby from um, Tiny Steps Petting Farm in Thilby, Lincolnshire, jumped out of his um, sanctuary. Is that what we're going to call it? Managed to hop out and his safe, ha- his safe place, safe haven. Yeah. Um, his his castle in many regards. His humble abode. He um, managed to hop out and went on a two-week um, marathon of um, avoiding capture. And oh, then going to say something else then for a second. Mate. Then got caught, <laughs> got caught by the RSPCA, kicked his way out the cage that they caught him in when they were carrying into the car, and um, had to be recaptured a week later. All was good. He was reunited with Deck, but then um, two, three weeks ago, Deck escaped from the um, celebrity castle, as we'll call it, um, and. Deck being a real victim here because Ant got national news coverage, had people out looking for him all the time. Deck just disappeared into the abyss and was assumed to be gone and dead. But he's been found, was he? Hallelujah. He's, he's reunited. Ant and Deck are back together. And they will enjoy many Saturday night takeaways together. I'm bringing that one out of the bag again because it's important. They need to celebrate, you know. They do. This is a massive moment for them both. They've been separated. The soulmate's been separated for almost two months now. Yeah, I guess it's good that, you know, they won't have an opportunity again to, you know, get ready to rumble themselves out again of the shed, so to speak. Oh, my Lord. The, the yeah. puns are out, Wizzy. The puns are out. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I'm sure ne- we'll say this saga is now coming to an end, and next week we'll have both on the run but i'd now, say we, I, i'd say we could both get them on but uh <laughs> that's kind of a pointless exercise for obvious reasons i'm sure if you just like sponsored them and just had them like either side of you just two wannabe mates either side of you on on camera we could potentially get a picture up on social media shall we try and do a live recording from ant and deck sanctuary i think that'd be quite cool just, just, just like put, a, put the wheels in motion. Put a microphone under, <laughs> just see what we get. I mean, we don't need to worry about any bad language or any of that stuff. I mean, if they say anything at all, no one would understand it. I mean, they if could you, be saying. If you want to see us go live from Anthem Deck, hashtag Jewels and Jugs on Twitter, call us out. We'll get it in motion. Call out Tiny Steps Petting Farm. Let's get, let's get this on. I'm so keen. I just, I want this to happen because then we get to just meet these two. Then we, you know what? We could even start some sort of funding thing to help them out so we could get that takeaway every week. I think we need to, we need to get closure on this, um, this two month long story. Yeah, we can continue the friendship away from the podcast and we can give like updates when necessary. Hopefully, like just hopefully they just don't leave anymore. Like hopefully it's just hopefully they're just comfortable, they're happy, you know, nothing's going wrong, everything's going all right with them, and you know, they can uh live their wallaby life and uh maybe Curtly Bill does something special at the World Cup and they can have their own little celebration or something in the old sanctuary. But good news, Harry. It's like we like that's the, when we when we leave in the newsroom, you know. We like to leave people on a high, I suppose you could say. Always, mate, always. Right, let's get into some of these results as we exit the newsroom. First of all, the Six Nations results. 
Where do you want to start as um, we run through them? We'll, we'll, we'll go in order, shan't we? So you're the Tafts, they did it, Tom. We did. We did. Mr. Bigger, Sedan, as we like to call it. Stand up, just slot it straight through. Uh, many people were calling for, you know, let the boys play. But uh, Dan, the man, said no. And he kicked it over the posts and the rest is history. And um, Finn Russell got in his yellow Lamborghini, drove back to Paris and cried. And that's basically how it went down. I mean, it's a very creative interpretation of the truth, Tom. <laughs> no, it was, look, it was a competitive game where I think... Well, should have had a red card. I mean... Scotland should have had a scrum penalty right at the end. I'm going to plead the fifth on the first one, and I didn't see the second one, so we're all good there. But, no, I think what I was going to say is that I think it was quite clear that Scotland were able to highlight Wales' weaknesses like very easily. But I think Scotland didn't do themselves any favours and I think they allowed Wales to identify theirs. Um, and I think it was just a bit of a tip for tap for the majority of the game. I think there were, there were patches of dominance for both sides. And then, you know, the, the all but crucial three pointer came about. And um, as I said, Dan the man didn't disappoint. And I think that pretty much, you know, we get, get got the points. You know, Scotland got one as well. And yeah, we move on. But I think it was an important win to get after, yeah, recent times, let's just say. Then we head to Paris, Tom. We head to Paris. I actually really like this game. I thought, look, this is this is the one. Get the popcorn out. Drink beside me thinking, right, let's go. This is going to be the two, two heavyweights, so to speak. And it didn't disappoint, did it? Well, I must confess, I missed half the game because I was travelling from... Chiswick Rugby Club to um, the Wolfpack Inn in um, Fulham Broadway. Shout out there. Um, so I missed... Sponsorship um, is available. There is sponsorship always available. Um, yeah, was venturing across. So I only caught the second half. So I missed the wonder try from the kickoff, um, which, what a pluck. What an absolute pluck. Um but yeah, yeah no, it looked, it looked like a good game for everything I saw. I'm a bit gutted for Ireland because yeah, I felt that. they could be unstoppable. Yeah, I felt that. I think Ireland were quite disappointed with a lot of the outcome, to be honest with you. I think, look, they played a good game. It's quite clear that they're, they're, they're going to go into that World Cup incredibly, incredibly well. But oh, Tom, hopefully... Tom, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. It's 18 months until the World Cup, mate. Well, look, do you not know that Ireland always peak early? <laughs> I think I mean, you didn't quite get my little bit of a joke there, Harry. I mean, to be honest with you, that I hope that they don't do that, just to give them a chance. I think this Ireland team is different from, from Ireland teams before, but we, as you just said, they do tend to peak a bit early. And it always happens in the cycle that happens. Hopefully, you know, Farrell can stop that and... You know, builds build some real bridges so they don't actually peak early and they just move along steadily. You know, they play their game. But to be honest with you, the team that turned up to Paris, you know, more than fronted up to that French team that was in front of their home crowds. You know, the, the tree colours were waving. The crowd was unreal. Uh, looked even better on TV. And yeah, I, I really don't think you know this this French team's tapped as being the best, of the best at the moment. It's it, Italy. God, that would be a fine thing. Ireland. 
are not too far behind them at all. I really don't think so. Um, so yeah, hopefully with that large period of time ahead of the World Cup, you know, some steady progress is made. They don't peak too early. Um, and yeah, they, they get they get to really show what they're about at this World Cup in, in as you say, 18 months time where they're able to be, you know, what we've seen for, for recent times being so good, wouldn't you say? Completely, Tom. Now, should we, if we must, should we move on to England? I think we're going to... I think, I think we got, to be fair, you didn't give too much of the Welsh game, so I will be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be fair and honest. I'll be fair and First honest. First time England have ever nailed Italy. I heard that, actually. Yeah. Which, um... Not too bad, that's it. You know, when they're saying, yeah, what a great Italian performance. What's that? It's technically their worst ever loss because it's the first time they've ever not scored and lost. Which, to be fair, I think is, well, in many respects, in some arguments, makes absolutely zero sense. But, I mean, fair enough. Like It could have been 50-0. I think, yeah. Look, I think, I think and that... The cre- that the I think the credit should go to Italy that it didn't end up there. I know you did say last week, right? And I it's been you know been pondering on my thoughts this this you know this over those games. You know, a, a team leaving stuff out there and not delivering doesn't always, in my opinion, show that they were the dominant thing. I think we do have to we do have to pin some respect on Italy to an extent that they didn't not fully turn up. I think that to be honest with you, we saw that the previous the week before that they, you know, they're doing what they can do with what they've got. And it's clearly they don't have a lot at the moment. They don't have a lot at the moment. But against that England team, you know, they gave a bit, and I think that should be commended. You know. Yeah. The next target for Italy. Let's let's get the deficit within thirty against England. Yeah. To be fair. I'm sure they take that at the moment. <laughs> I'm sure they take that at the moment. I, to be honest with you, as you just said, it should have been 50. There would that wouldn't have been a public, you know, target to not. But I guarantee there probably were some voices going, guys. Let's just make sure this isn't an, a bit of an embarrassment. I tell here. you what, Tom. You say this as well. I saw some rugby pundit was saying on this exact point. The big problem we've got with Italy is Italy celebrate not getting absolutely crucified. And that's the culture that needs to change. I think as well, I think, I think it obviously is a much deeper issue. Um, because, you know, you, I mean, if let's just take the absolute extreme when you take a France or an island and put them next to that Italy team. We're talking infrastructure, we're talking coaches, we're talking players, we're talking opportunities, like everything out there. You know, they will second best both of them every single day of the week. And I think that's the bigger issue here, that they need to really fix their own house to then go up against these teams, because otherwise it's going to be whatever. And whether a drop down into what we were speaking about earlier, where that needs to happen for this to, you know, kickstart is another issue. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. But yeah, I, I, I'll, give them, I'll give them the respect they deserve, because that, I think we both could agree, should have probably been double. I think, yeah, and that's that's not through dominance of England. I think that's just through poor execution and that they didn't pull them to the sword because the team, I mean, you could see Jack Nowell back and stuff like that. And I think if England played a bit more of a front foot game, I think they'd, ha- they'd have at least put another another 33 on them, at least. Um, um, 
on the subject of that, with um, the result, England have um, snuck their way to second in the table. Yeah, I didn't. I, I told you we could, you know, just slightly, slightly skirt over that. But um, um, I, I was going to add, whilst we're on the subject of tables, the Juan Jugs um, fantasy rugby. Yeah, I well, gone well for you, Tom. <clears throat> I, I've been busy. <laughs> You're sat wedged um, in that bottom relegation zone, mate. You're in relegation battle. I'm sure I'll pull myself out of it. I, I've, I've got faith in uh, I've got faith in my selection abilities. I definitely think I've got something to, to give well, in, just, in the last just, stages. Just if you weren't watching, Tom, you're currently sat 430 points behind me. Um, and more surprisingly, I'm I'm sat fourth. I've got Mirko Fior, Emily Rickards, and George Biles all sat above me in the. 1500 point club. I'm shout, shout, George Biles. He knows his stuff, that boy. He knows his, he knows, he knows his cows. He knows his cows. A, a big effort for me now to chase that top spot. Yeah, look, mate, I think this is going to be a final charge, you know, from me. Um, obviously, a week went a bit awry because uh, I was busy, which just shows you, you've got to keep your eye on the ball on these things. Otherwise, you know, it, it kind of goes a bit wrong. But, uh, and you've got to put, select the four players in the team against Italy. It'd be rude not to put some Italian players in, Harry, just to help others out, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to. To be honest with you, they are putting more points on than recent years. That, that's a fair comparison there. But, yeah, overall, good weekend, I think, in the Six Nations. It's, you know, going into the week ahead, I think, you know, Nice and rested. Hopefully, we'll be seeing some big scores. And uh, hopefully, a very competitive England-Wales game. Now, should we finish off, before we go to the club stuff, finish off with the Prem results? Um, which, yeah. one's pop- which one's popped out for you? Um, yeah, give a quick buzz through. I mean, really close games across the Premiership this weekend. Yeah, they, um, they mentioned that. Was it one point, one point, two points, five points? Yeah, biggest win, points. five points. Um, yeah. I mean, real. the ones that stick out, London Irish, shout out Wall GC. Shout um, out Wall Doing a job on Saracens. He had a great game, to be fair. I think uh, he made it into Will Greenwood's personal 15 of the Prem 15 of the week. Uh, saw that on his story. No, I, I agree with you. He's, he's having a great season. Um, thoroughly working. Hard and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was a last gasp kick at the end, wasn't it? I think I think uh, London Irish put off on their story. GC couldn't look. <laughs> I think he had to look away because they were all pretty nervous on the bench, but slotted true and um, yeah, they got the win. Un- unreal scenes. Yeah, no, it was good to see. We love seeing Saracen seeing off. Um, good we result do. for Quinns, 29-24 against the Wasps. Um, Quinn's been prepared to struggle in the international window, so a good result for them. Tigers um, doing the job at the wreck for the first time in 11 years and getting that 24-20 score over I was pass. so gutted. Because, you know, I was thinking when Bayless was just step Freddie Burns and went in and we scored that try, I was thinking, oh, Harry's going to be really hating this right now. <laughs> I didn't see it, mate. I was 
was too busy. I was too no, busy on pitch, mate. I know, but I was thinking he's gonna out see eight this looking back at it later. And yeah, the rest just yeah, it just kind of the rest very minorly capitulates at the end. But at the end of the day, I'll take that. First, what first against 13th. I was saying this at the time. I was thinking, well, how am I going to say this to Harry on the pod this week? I was thinking, you know, at the time I was thinking, look, first against 13th, four-point gap, Bar's results of recent times. You know, I, I think... I was missing half the squad. Yeah, there is that. But I think people underestimate, like, how bad it really has been at Bath. But to be honest with you, if you, if you look at... Oh, no, Tom, we do not underestimate it. I mean, it's, I mean, I think someone very cleverly put... I think there's because it was quite quite blustery in uh, the west the west of England this past week. Um, I think someone took away uh, a word and put a different word in. I think they, they, they swapped weather for uh, players or games or something, and it, it said the game is going to go ahead. Um, just for a second, <laughs> they had a bit of fun with it. I can't remember what's on my head, but yeah, look, it's it's been a rough ride. It has been a rough ride, but I think if you'd have, if you'd have told Bath fans a few months ago in the heightened time of it being really bad that you know, we'd be four points, a four point gap between Tigers and us. I think um, m- most would have taken it. I think, to be honest with you, just with the times, that whole 11 year thing, I don't that think they'll let that dwell too much. I think in a season that has been the way it has been, you're probably going to encounter something like that. Some some records just won't stay when you're performing the way you are. I could not believe the um, that it'd been 11 years. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Won't lie, I was. I was none the wiser either. Um, it kind of compounded a depressing day even further. So, yeah, not great, but uh, <laughs> it was what it was. And um, I think we're a little bit. I think we're a little bit hard, hard done by there. But you know, good win for Tigers, I guess, on the road. Freddie Burns was excellent. You know, Burns turned up. He was he was fantastic in my eyes. Um, Grand, up the England squad on the horizon, something Oh, poor, poor Freddie, mate. Honestly, he's good. He's a bloke. He's a bloke you want in your sheds. He's fantastic on the chat. He's that kind of guy you'd walk in on a Monday and think, "Yeah, I'll, I'm up for a bit of Freddie's banter." It's all going to be. He's going to cheer other people up, keep the mood going, and yeah. I tell no, you what, fair if enough. there's one person we could get on this pod, Freddie Burns, come on, lad. Yeah, I think his chat on Instagram is fantastic. He put us both to shame, Tom. Not that it's that hard. I mean, we try our best, but I think he might just blur us both away. I think, I think, I think the the best thing, I the best piece of content I've ever seen from Freddie Burns got to be that elf, the elf TikTok video. Do you know the one I'm on about, Harry? I think I do. Yeah, it's like it's the one about Santa and, and uh, Will Ferrell's just in the middle of the store going Santa. Oh my god! <laughs> and he just beautifully did a really good video of that, and um, I, don't know, I was just in fits of laughter. Go check it out on his, his socials. You you'll be in fits of laughter after it. But yeah, look, fair enough, fair enough, Harry. All's fair in love and more. You did. You got the win. It's four point gap. You know, we got a point. You got your points. Eleven years. Fair enough. Look, you're having, you're having a great season. We're not. Simple as that. Um, chasing down that um, premiership semi-final spot already. Yeah, look, they said that. They said uh, in a normal season, you know, in a normal season without the, you know, the 13th club this time around, you know, it would have almost been confirmed. So, you know, provisionally confirmed. 
I think um, we can do it in the next um, few couple of weeks. Yeah, I think um, you can do it. I think you can do it away. next week. You can either do it next week or week after. But yeah, it's pretty uh, really on the cuff. So fair enough. You know, had a great. You know, hopefully we can take some inspiration <laughs> and we do something similar next year with a bit of recruitment, a few changes here and there, and yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I'll take that, Harry. I'll take that, Harry. And then obviously the other two will just you know Northampton Saints twenty one. It's just rugby, isn't it? It's just rugby. The Newcastle Falcons, obviously, yesterday, 14, 15, extra getting the win there. It's Yeah, it's what you like to see. It's, a, it's the old Jouet. It's all the old Jouet. Right, should we get into... A little bit bucks? of the Bucks. A little bit of the Bucks, Harry. That's right. Now, we've got a bit of catching up to do, because obviously with our nice little break we had, um, a couple weeks yeah, of games Tom, gone by. I, I dare say, we, we were gone... One week, and we missed me being able to finally mince my words. Yeah, you can finally just, you know, stop saying that quote. That I mean, I've, I've tried to forget it. I try to forget who's, who originally said it, but, you know, it's Should there. have been 100. Should have been 100. Should have been 100. Hey, well, guess what? It was 100. 15-0 against Aston. 150-0 against on? Aston. And Brooks had a red card. Brooks did have a red card, but we, we won't talk about that. But seriously, 115-0. <laughs> it and was the red I, card though. We we will say that it, it probably, you know, in many people's eyes, it was a yellow. Um, and it was a high 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 impact collision that couldn't have done anything about, and it was all be sorted out, hopefully. But yeah, that that take non-shadowing takeaway from it should have been 150. Oh god, here we go. I mean, you said oh, that at the time, actually. You said that at the time. It's like, is it, it's like you, you happy now, Bauer? It's like, no, no. Should have been 150. <laughs> I was thinking, what more? The standards yeah, keep no, going um, up. I saw a comment on um, the old Instagram from um, good friend, um, the Jacob Rawlinson, about this. Yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, he was less than amused. Um, what was it? Um that's First silly, fifteen. Lads, that's just silly, lads. That's just silly, lads. No, it's true. It was. I I think that that result, not just with us, but the lead that we're in this season. I think we're just we we are showing an inspired level of dominance. Um, where it's just that train is well and truly just running, 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 and it's it's always clearly been a two horse race. But um, yeah, just. A total performance, uh, with a hell of a lot of tries involved, and yeah, getting the getting the result at home there. He's obviously being at the 9th of February. Um, moving on to the twos, they unfortunately went down 25-5 to Nottingham threes. The fifths took a trip to Staffordshire where they won 57-19. Things you like to see, Harry. You know what's funny in that? The fifths, yeah, well done, fifths, absolutely tanking Staffordshire. I think the last time Brooks recorded a hundred nil, hundred point plus nil win in the books game was against Staffordshire First um, back in 2014, 173 nil. So Staffordshire playing Brooks in a dicking the same week that Brooks set another Bucks hundred pointer. You do love to see a centurion, don't you? You do. You do. Um, moving on to the 16th now, this the week that has just passed us. We're in the final, Harry. 
Big result, mate. We beat Nottingham Threes on their patch, 17-11. Um, and that puts us into the cup final to play Trent Threes. That mate, is due the to the The biggest shock there is... Um, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, big shock of how well Nottingham Threes did against Brooks. I've, I've already heard the excuses from Joe of um, what that it was closer than it should have been and Brooks coughs themselves at times. But, wow, go on, Trent. Have the wheels fallen off at Nottingham in the second team? Yeah, you like to think so. You like to think so, because Trent threes went up 24-19 against them. Some may say that was close, but, you know, they, they put an absolute shift in there. And ironically, ironically, if you look back at the last time before COVID and everything, that, that, that final that year... We played Trent twos in the final of the Midlands Conference Cup, but we're now facing their threes. So almost history repeating itself, Harry. It's funny, yes, it's a funny, funny old game, isn't it? But we hopefully in that final and then uh, hopefully get that final sewed up and done with, lift the trophy and then uh, go into the week. week later playing Nottingham for the league. Absolutely funny how these things work. But fingers crossed, Touchwood and everything. But uh, we don't think they'll need it. They've been performing really, really well. Um, and obviously, that's without saying that the twos unfortunately went down to commentary ones at their place, twenty six seven, and the threes also having a narrow defeat to Warwick threes seventeen twelve. Gutting loss that one. It's very, very close. That obviously only a unconverted try gap. Uh, looking to the week ahead, Harry, we've got some tasty fixtures. We've got the ones go up against the Cambridge ones. So to speak. not to be going to watch um, some tab showing. I think it could be a good old day for Brooks, hopefully there. Um, I think it's going to be a hard fought game there where it's going to be physical, but I, I back us to come on top there. I think we'll be good. The twos go away to East Anglia ones. Generally, the most horrid <laughs> away day there is. Just talk about um, that cup final. That was a hell of a journey when we went there. I think it's the problem hours, is hours. going to East Anglia, like going to East Anglia, it's an absolute trek because you have to go across like all the other moving traffic up north and down south, in and out of London. You just get stuck out there. It's an absolute pain in the arse. It's the last thing you ever want to do on a Wednesday in February when it's cold. Because East Anglia, like, it's cold no matter what in February. You go to East Anglia and it's down five degrees. Yeah, it was cold. Well, it caught Colney. Go up there. It's going to be potentially quite blustery, windy. You know, it sounds like a good old Brooks wind to me. But we'll, we'll have a little bit of look at that. But... Yeah, long old journey. I think the boys will deal with it well. It'll be a, I think the positive to look at it, long trip home. That means a long bus to celebrate a good old win. That's what I think. But we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. The threes are also on the road. They are heading to Derby, Harry. They're going to go play Derby twos. Another bit nice. track there. Yeah, you're that not a fan of Derby, are you? Lad. You don't like Derby and you don't like Coventry. Not a fan of um, those two places. No, don't like East Anglia either. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm from the Midlands, Some I just know how bad a trek these places just, are. Apart from London, you just don't like to trek. 
don't like going on adventures. Um, and then finally, the women's first 15 are at home to Leicester first 15. Tasty little clash there. I hope they have a nice finish to the season there. Because um, they, you know, we all know the hard work that's gone in there. Um, hopefully they get a really strong end to the season and can really press on now because, you know, we can all appreciate what's been given in the women's setup this season and looking ahead. Isn't that right, Harry? You are, in fact, correct, Tom. Indeed. Right, should we get on to shout-outs? Let's, let's dive into the club game. So we had a number of lads out for Quinns. Only the Quinns first 15 were out this weekend. That's Paddy Wood, Finn Border donned the shirt for his debut. Uh, James Boardman, Johnny Ireland, Archie Van Dyke, and Ben Jenkins were involved. They're involved a big in big Brook showing for Oxford. Big Brook showing. Six big players. Brooks. Six players, Harry. In an 18 man squad, one third from Oxford Brooks. You'd love to see the partnership, mate. The Brooks Quinns partnership going very, very strong. And that ended up being a 45 win against Strawbridge. That keeps. Quinn's second in the table with them played 21 19, lost one, sat on 87 points. It's uh, setting up to be a tasty finish to the season. Now, looking at Banbury, they had Tom McDonald and Angus Johnson involved on Saturday. They went down to Newbury 16 13. They're still in first, played 21 18, lost two now, sat on 88 points. There is now only one point gap between the two. The tails are going to be wagging at Oxford Quinns. It's, it's, it's a picture of a table that you really love to see. Um, I think the boys, you know, the boys worked really hard. We obviously we started at the bottom of that table firmly. You know, we almost had to give up a week, really, uh, being on minus five. And to see that the fact that we might, you know, press on and, and actually claim that first position off Banbury would just be testament to the hard work that's put in by, you know, all the coaches, you know, Pete Davis and head coach and, you know, Stu Wells, director of rugby, you know, the work they're putting in will hopefully come to fruition soon because, you know, it's not been an easy one, but uh, yeah, look. Tell you what, Wes, you could make a Netflix documentary out this season, couldn't you? I think, look, it was it was in my plans, mate. I think we should. We either get the all or nothing lads in, or or I just do a or I just do a whizzy special. It's it's very much up to who who wants what, but I I know which one I probably prefer all or nothing. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I completely agree with you. What what a season across the board. Whether that's you know Quinns in the league they're in, the fact that we've got loads of Brooks lads at Banbury, you know Oxford Quinns. We've had obviously George at. Henley, all of our you know, our five teams and obviously the women's set up doing so well and in what wasn't an easy time at, at a point, you could, because it's just been so entertaining. It's been just a culmination of so many hard work evenings on a Monday night, on a Friday afternoon, just to get this squad right for whether it's, you know, a Tuesday or a Thursday for the Saturday stuff with Quinns and the other clubs or it's a Wednesday afternoon. I think just a culmination of lots of hard work from you, know, the Pete's and the Joes and all of Joes coaching you know, with the other Joe and all the Quinns lads that are involved. It's just all that hard work coming in. It's what you love to see, really. 
It's what you love to see, Harry. You do, Tom. I've also, whilst we're on the subject of playing some old footy. Yes, we need to address this. We almost forgot, which couldn't, which can't happen. Do you want to say it or shall I, shall I do the introduction? Shall I do it? I'll let you do it, Tom. I'd love to do it. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great pleasure to announce that Harry Barrow has found this club. I have. We've all been that we've we've all been wanting him to join. You know, we've we've touched on it previously. We have, but it's he stepped on the pitch a couple times now, and yeah, something mate. very special happened on Saturday, introducing Mile of Match, Mr. Bauer. But how yeah, is Fulham? Yeah, how do you feel about that, mate? Wait, you know, just let's just not just stop at Mile of Match. You got you got a bit of meat, didn't you? No, mate, I'm not a try scorer. I'm a try giver. Oh, that's what you're on about. You're a giver. You gave one to the. Uh, I was going to say, that doesn't sound like the barrel. I think a man of the match and some tries. God, I was pushing the boat out a bit. But still, man of the match, unreal stuff. Yeah, I mate, mean, we're, back, we're back playing. How are you finding it? Well, yeah, it's good. I started off in the third team, mate. Humble, humble beginnings. Yeah, as you I, do. I did manage to um, avoid the. Um, ceremonial game for the fourth team I, I did manage that leapfrog at least but um i've realized how unfit i am so try yeah. getting back into training is good it's enjoyable um we've won both games i played so you know we're on course for a um big i think um semi-final in the um it's like in Premiership, you have a semi, then a final to decide the league winner. So we're, we're in a good position to get to the semis. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong at all. And it's, it, it looks a good club down there, you know, doing all the right things. I think we've got um, a few members of OBRFC and OBRFC women of the past who have been involved down there. So, yeah, it looks quite a good club. And you, I think you, you've, you've finally found a... Rugby home, Bauer, and you seem to be doing well. So that's good. Back to back to the game, mate. Back, back to, the game. to the game. Chucking an egg around. It's what you like to see, and hopefully, you know, you make a name for yourself there, and then you just get these uh, uncanny yells of Bauer just every now and then from people. Hopefully, that'll make its way in. So, <laughs> right, yeah, uh... good, to, good to see. We might have to create a. We have to add you to the shout out bit at the end every week now, so we check in and see how your Hammersmith team is going. Always, mate. Absolutely, and also, I obviously put it out there like if people are involved in club in the club game, OBRC men and women, past and present, get in touch and we'll give you a shout out and um, tell everyone how well you're doing. I obviously saw uh, Mr. Wallace involved with Mr. Girling out for Rees Weybridge. It's quite interesting. Saw a picture of that this week. I think they 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 did quite well. Got got a win, I believe. It's good to see in it. People continuing afterwards and not just uh, enjoying the London lifestyle like you were for a few months <laughs> <laughs> before you before you found home again. Yeah, I'm regretting the London lifestyle already, mate, because all that beer's got to come out eventually. And um, in the fitness sessions on a Tuesday, it's definitely coming out. <laughs> oh no! Anyway, less said about that, the better. Um, but yeah, so it's good. Right now. We've got to thank our sponsors, Harry. Always thank the sponsors, mate, who make it all possible. We know this is your favourite part of the week as well, isn't it? I just love how well you've rehearsed these. You've got the 
perfect ad voice now, mate. Thank you so much. I mean, we've got to give back to those that have allowed us to be at the high level of performance that we, we have been. So first of all, to Sapego, a convenience app to help you beat the queues. They're a lifestyle payment app that allows you to instantly order and at the same time pay for your food, drinks, or retail products from your phone. They either collect from the counter, bar, or have it delivered to the table or home from any of the participating stores or venues. Secondly, a new one, Harry. Big a welcome, new one, Tom. Big welcome back that have extended the, their relationship with us, really, is to Chaddington Brewery. You know, known as the Oxford Beer, Chaddington Brewery are passionate about the art of brewing beer. Taking inspiration from the glorious Oxfordshire countryside, they create the great tasting beers that everyone can enjoy. Brewed using only natural ingredients, including Oxfordshire spring water and the finest English hops and malt. They take their time to ensure that every brew is the best it can be. And then obviously to our title sponsors, Oxford Shirt Company, a business providing a broad range of products for men, women and kids from knitwear to socks to jackets. But what lies at the heart of everything they do is a commitment to create beautiful, timeless clothes fit for any modern wardrobe. With shirt making, of course, being the heart of their business since it was founded over 30 years ago. That's nine in the bag, Harry. Mate, coming up to double figures. We're nearly there. We're nearly at 10. I think, you know, I still can't believe what we're doing, but we're doing it. And we're doing it well, I think. You know, we've had some good feedback all over the place. It's nice to hear. Obviously, yeah, mate, wait until all the complaints come in after this one week of episodes, though. Oh, it'll be all right. We can deal with that. But uh, to I, be fair, I think I've stirred up every bit of the Rugby Nation in one podcast. It's um, strong. It's strong. I know, mate. Welcome to the club. That's, that's part and parcel of being a, a Welsh supporter. But uh, no. Nine down, many to go. Uh, obviously, subscribe, rate, and review us. You know where to find us on all of your various podcast platforms. Uh, give us a review as well. It's always good. And I know Harry appreciates his, uh, his feedback. I've not read a single think. review, mate. I don't <laughs> need to. I'm sure you'd appreciate it. But no, uh, share us about, add us your stories, etc. cetera. Uh, get to scene and uh, helps us out on the good old league table of podcasts out there so we can be seen fully. Hey, Harry. So it's another one in the bag. Hopefully, Wales do all right. But uh, we'll see. Ciao for now, mate. Ciao, Bella.